Welcome to another episode of Rainbow Popcorn, a podcast where we review queer cinema and camp classics. Hello, Brett. How are you? I'm good, Lee. How are you? Good, thank you. It's a bit stormy outside. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine with the storm. Yeah. I have shelter, so... Thunder buddies. We yeah. can be thunder buddies if we need to. Yeah. It's just God's farts. So. Who drink cinema slash Ted? Yes. Don't go to that link. That won't take you anywhere. But two drink cinemas reviewed Ted. But on uh, Rainbow Popcorn, where we rate queer cinema and camp classics on our pride scale. Yeah. This week we are doing Moonlight. Yes. The twenty. It was released in twenty sixteen. Do you say it's the twenty seventeen? Best Picture Oscar winner. No, it's the 2016 Best Picture Oscar winner because it won Best Picture for 2016. For the year of 2016. In 2017, it won Best Picture okay. for 2016. For the three months before the awards ceremony was decided in 2016. Yeah. Movies from March and April. you got to release at the right time to win you got to release it in the year. Yeah, but that it if is... you release it a bit closer to the awards... You got a higher chance. Yeah, there's a definite period of yeah. time where if you release a movie in February of 2016, we're going to forget about. Well, I don't know. I say we. I'm not voting on it. The Academy will forget about it. If you release one two weeks before the ceremony for the year before, no chance. No, you have to because you have to release. No, it no. In no. The... Two years before, two weeks before the ceremony oh, for okay. the year before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, release it, in no, release it in November or December. That's my advice. To any budding filmmakers yeah. out there. <laughs> um, Moonlight won the 2016 Oscar for Best Picture. Not yes. La La not Land. Not La La Land, which the Whiteys tried to take off. My, my overall thoughts on this movie are that it's much better than La La Land. It is. There's no songs. There's no songs, but it's an original story as opposed to La La Land, which is a rip-off of Singing in the Rain. Yeah. And Two Drink Cinema slash Singing in the Rain, I learned it's one of the earliest jukebox musicals. Yeah, it is. Well, it's not really because you couldn't choose those songs on a jukebox. He just had these songs and made a story to go up for it. Okay, yeah. yeah, I get what you mean. The term the jukebox musical wasn't a thing yet. But also... Jukeboxes um, weren't a thing. Jukeboxes probably weren't a thing. In but the also, 50s. But it wasn't a musical of hits, which is what the jukebox yeah, okay. musical means. Jukebox musical is like, Abba, we will rock Mama you. Mamma Mia. Yeah. Yeah. Rock of Ages is the best one, I reckon. Jersey Boys is good, actually. Oh, I don't know. I haven't seen many. <laughs> I it's definitely good. I can say that the best jukebox musical is definitely not Mamma Mia. No. Although anyway, that's not what we're talking about. We'll probably get to Mamma Mia in our camp classics we'll get, section. <laughs> sorry. If we to run Brett. out of if we run out of movies. Sorry okay. to Brett and the listeners. <laughs> sorry to everybody. <laughs> um, but you made it through Stonewall, listeners. So yeah. Well done. Um, so the pride scale is what we rate these movies on. And the P of pride in this case stands for presentation. Mm-hmm. My overall thought on presentation was, was that it is very intimately shot. Intimately. In there's lots of closeness, particularly to little. Yep. 
in all, and then Charon, then black. And there's lots... Yeah, so that's intimate and closeness of him and closeness of him and the people that he has relationships with. Yes. And? And there's, like, common... The common things over the three bits. That was a great... Chapters? Like, you know, follow... There's a lot of shots he's walking and we're following him. Because we are following him on this journey. On the journey. childhood to young teen to... Young adult. Young adulthood. To bashing someone with a chair, to becoming a drug dealer. Yeah. To wrestling with your best friend, to becoming a drug dealer. Yeah. To comparing penises in the toilets at school. Yeah. To... To getting a handjob on the beach. To to sleeping with the chef at the diner. Yeah. We assume. (laughs) Or at least cuddling, which is nice. That's the movie ends with them cuddling. With them cuddling. And we don't know if it's pre-coital, post-coital, or non-coital cuddling. Mm. Do you know this has a similarity? It has something in common with Shawshank Redemption? How so? They both have a happy ending on the beach. (laughs) Did you write that? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Pre-written in your notes? I thought of it the other day. (laughs) There we go. Oh, dear. End of episode. Yeah, just that's... That's my only comment on the movie. (laughs) At least that's the real I know I can take out of the episode. (laughs) Um, But that following the closeness and the intimacy does make it... Does give the movie a lot of its power because it makes you feel the closeness to Sharon. Yeah, yeah. And we are following him on this journey and joining him on this journey. Yes. Of this one person. It makes it very clearly a movie about one person. Yeah. Not about the situation for people of colour. No, it's just his story. queer people. It's his story. Yeah. As are both of those things together. Mm. Yeah. Which is good. And um, it is quite well shot. Very well shot. I would like to see more there were of his work. There were interesting choices, like, you know, sometimes there'd be a close-up of the person, yeah, and then you'd hear them saying something, but it would just still be a still of their face, and, they like, their mouth wasn't moving. Yeah, or the reverse. Like, we didn't hear what the mum yelled at him. The mum yelled, but we didn't hear it, which I didn't really understand. I thought we then would hear her later, because yeah. it flashes back to that couple of times, and then that last time... I thought we would hear what she actually said, but you didn't quite. No. I assume it's the F word. Yeah, because the next day is like, what's a faggot? Yeah. Um, mm. Even though she's not the only one to call him that. No. Just because of the way that he walks. Apparently that's all it takes. It's all it takes. In primary school. I like the way you So, we need to rate the presentation... Oh, one more thing. When they were wrestling, Little and Kevin, yeah, I found the way that was shot very interesting. It's almost like they shot it like a sex scene. Yeah, which I found very interesting for the young boys. But then I was like, oh, he's probably hinting at at least Little's potential sexual interest in Kevin. Yeah. But then the Kevin thing obviously comes again and again. How many times he comes, I don't know. <laughs> But his story continues oh, no. throughout 
the movie, which then, I guess, explains a little bit the way that first wrestling was shot. Yeah, I think it as well... I don't know. It's intimate. It's not sexual. The yes. movie. The whole movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's definitely... He definitely went on the non-overt side of the sexual stuff. Yeah, and there's other Even hints on the at it during the movie. There's obviously the beach is an obvious bit. Yeah. But other bits that are like... Things people say to him or he says and stuff like that. That it's not very um, obvious. Quite subtle. Yes, which is good. And a rare occasion in an American film. Yeah, on presentation as a whole, rating-wise, out of... Like a three? Five each. And a half. Now, I think I'm going to give it a four for my side of things. Alright, so you'll give it a four and I'll give it a three and a half for presentation. There were some shots that I didn't really care for. Some choices he made. That's all. He made a very deliberate choice to show us how hot old Sharon is. Yep. Like, it's like, we are showing you everything but and you are going to realise how hot this man is now. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. Actually, one thing that I think it might go to presentation mm-hmm. is that is good casting of the three of the ages. three ages. I think it was better casting of Chiron the... and Kevin. Yes. Oh, the, from the from little to Chiron, they not Chiron to Kevin, not so much. Not Chiron to Black, not so much. Little to Chiron, yes. Chiron to Black, yes. But not as yes. Yeah. Kevin to Kevin to Kevin, not as good. Not as good. Especially the last Kevin. Kevin then seems like he aged uh, not as well as Chiron. <laughs> yeah. I know they say that um, Black don't crack. But cracked a bit. And he didn't have as hard a life as Kevin. Uh, Kevin didn't have as hard a life as Black. Well, they both went to jail. One for... They didn't really say. But one, for, one for one for being black, and one yeah. for hitting a kid with a chair, even though he got bashed the day before and nothing happened, because he didn't press charges. Yeah, which was one of, a bit of the thing. He didn't press charges because Kevin would have got in trouble as well, and he loved Kevin. We didn't have wooden chairs in our classrooms. No, we had uh, we had metal ones that you, your jacket that got would caught have in. Really hurt. That would have probably yeah, I, I probably would have gone to jail. It would not have smashed. Number no. one, wooden chairs, no. We had, they were metal frames metal with frame wooden with wood, seat and yeah. wooden back. Yeah. But it still wouldn't have fallen apart. Except for the year that my year eight class broke all of those chairs and we got the plastic bucket seats. You're terrible. Yeah, it wasn't me. Oh, well, obviously it was me. But I didn't lead it. Why? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask this Our again today. Our 8B was a bit destructive. And I had my high school reunion recently and I, I remembered this story. You had a shit year level, didn't you? No. Oh, no. Yours was all right. It's the middle, middle brothers. brothers. The shit. <laughs> um, we, I remembered this story because we were going through our version of our yearbook and there was the maths teacher and the guy I was chatting with, he was in my year eight class and we remembered that we wrecked all the chairs and so our home group teacher got us the bucket chairs from the junior music classroom to sit on as like a punishment. 
So then we ended up breaking the one chair left, which was the teacher's chair. Oh. And the maths teacher came in and she sat on the chair. And then we were all like, oh my God, she's sitting on a broken chair. And there was like suspense. And she was counting, counting, counting them, doing the roll. And then she started to fall. And then we're all like, oh my God. And then you could see the moment where she realized that like... Oh, don't break the was... chair. <laughs> don't break my chair. See the moment that she realized that she'd gone too far and then she tried to grab the desk look at panic came across her face and she fell over <laughs> in what? year eight that was hilarious but what terrible children as an ex-teacher not so funny i didn't do anything bad to my teachers Absolutely. they had there were other people in my class that did enough for everyone let me believe we you. did have a bad one of my class. teachers said to one of the kids in my class this this class would be better if you weren't in it <laughs> Which is hilarious. It was Japanese. Also in our year eight... Uh, she didn't say it in Japanese. German in class. What the is... <laughs> two kids um, pulled the bench seat from outside over the door. And it would like had the concrete feet. Oh, yeah, yeah. So when the German teacher came to let us all in, she couldn't push the door open to let us into the classroom. And then they changed all the doors in the um, entire class school in the in the to high school to, to open inward. Yeah, ah, oh. they were terrible, terrible. But I didn't smash a chair over the back of anyone. I didn't go to jail. Okay, that's good. Okay, yeah. Um, so we've done presentation. Now we're into R for representation. Uh, it is generally a straight cast and crew. Yes, from what I could see, yes. Uh, certainly the writer-director is not gay. Or the person who wrote the story is gay. Yes, it's based story on by... an autobiography. Um, yes, and then adapted for the screen and directed by a straighty. Yeah, which makes it a little not that authentic. I don't know. Yeah... It's tough, though, because he has done a very good job, I think. Yes, and it's a good story and a good representation of intersectionality. Oh, yeah, that's a big word. That's a good one. Should we have put made that the I for iconicness? No, because a lot of stories would just be a zero. Yeah, that's true. the majority of queer movies are about white cis men played by yeah. straight men. But this has intersectionality. And it's an, it's an interesting look at being black and queer. Or questioning yeah. or confused or trying to hide it. And well, the idea of masculinity chucked in there as well. Yeah, and I, I read an interview with the guy who plays adult Kevin um, about what he saw as Kevin's representation of of not doing the black man masculine he does thing. lead Sharon on a bit. Through the whole movie? Like, very flirt, like a bit flirty. Yeah. And then calls him up, go, you should come visit sometime. And then he, when he's like, oh, you're here, great, thanks for coming. He's my kid. Yeah, he's a little bit... I don't want to say toxic because I ranted in a previous episode about the overuse of it. Maybe it's not quite understanding that he feels more strongly than 
Chiron feels for Kevin than Kevin feels for Chiron. I think also, yeah, I think there's a bit of that. But I also think up until Chiron says, you're the only man who's ever touched me. Mm. I think for Kevin, it's less of a big thing than it is for Chiron. Yes. That and I certainly think thing. like the beach thing yeah. was in Kevin's a little bit more just like teen boy whatever. Yeah. But for Sharon that was like, oh yeah, I'm actually gay. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's a little bit of the difference there for Kevin and Sharon, which is another, I guess, representation of questioning and... It's an interesting note to say representation because it's representing the story, but it doesn't um, go very deep into it. You know no. what I mean? It's showing it, but it's not like exploring it. No, but I, I'm not sure if that's the intention of the movie or... Like, I think the intention of the movie is to show that this is our story. And this is things that happen to people. Not so much, yeah. this is what I'm saying about masculinity. Or this is what I'm saying about queer black people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So is it, it's not, it's, it's telling, okay. So it, it's telling one person's story. It's not so much the idea of representing black gay men. But it is... Because there's no other movie that does tell a queer black man's story. There are. Well, not to not this, to this level extent. Of mainstream, yeah. shall we say. Not Even to this level of mainstream. mainstream and this kind of attention. Focus and yeah. attention. So I think, in terms of representation, it's telling a story that is not being so told. It Yeah, yeah. And it's with the intersectionality telling two relatively untold stories in the more mainstream, the queer people and the people of colour stories. Mm. Um, and I, I actually think it does it well, and I'd actually prefer it to be, we can just see the facade rather than him having a scene where he sits down and talks with someone about having to put on a facade. Yeah, because like because when he says I built myself up again to make myself hard, and... yeah, he and he does say that to Kevin at the end, but you see him doing it. You see him questioning as a kid. You see him avoiding as a teen, and you see him masking as an adult, mm. which generally. Queer closeted people, they're the three big things. Yeah. And before he has that conversation with Kevin, you see him tough and you see him go and do the drug dealer and, yeah. you know, you see that and he's got the fronts on and he's ripped. But then as soon as Kevin calls, you see in his face. And for a sprinter, Travante Rhodes is a great actor. Yeah, yeah, like a collegiate gold medal winning sprinter, mm. great actor. 
you see it all just that mask drops straight away and I'd much rather that than go deeper into this big conversation about queer people having to put on masks right it's in amongst the story yeah, of this one that's been done and yeah. it doesn't need to be unlike a few of the movies we've reviewed yeah in both podcasts it doesn't need to be spelt out in black and white so, no. like, I am explaining exactly the situation that is going on here. Well, in this, I reckon in this type of movie, it doesn't. When we get to look at Love, Simon, Love, Simon does have that. Yeah. But that's for a, a younger, younger audience. audience. Yeah. So it does need a little bit more of an explanation. Um, but I think it's done really well here because it's shown acting-wise more than dialogically, which we'll get to in dialogue. Yeah. Um, oh, and maybe this is one thing that I've just thought of from presentation was how it is subtle and going along with that not explaining thing is that we never are told that the mum's in rehab. No. But that shot where they're at a table and chairs under a tree... You just go, oh, that's rehab. Yeah, that's rehab. <laughs> We've seen that And then before. we see the visitors pass on Sharon when he's there. I um, didn't like that scene. We'll save that for dialogue, I think. You didn't? No. Yeah, okay. We'll come back to that. Um, so, yeah, I guess in terms of representation, it does represent that intersectionality and that story of the combination that isn't represented a lot. And mm. it tells it subtly... It doesn't whitewash it like Stonewall did. No. Um, and it's it's a very real story. I think I'm going to give it a three and a half. I think... Oh, maybe a four. Yeah, I was going to give it a four. It's a little bit tougher for us to grade the intersectionality bit of the representation because we're not queer black people. No. So we can go, yes, showing the masking, the avoidance and the, the rep- questioning. Yeah, the representation thing as well is that it's... Um, it is just... Because it is just his story, it is just showing one... Um, subtext of black culture. Yes. The poor drug... You know, drug dealers and all that. He doesn't go deep into other... Yeah. Yeah. But I think that would then dilute the story. It would dilute Chiron's story, which is what he's trying to tell. But I'm going to give it a four. Three and a half for me. Um, uh, The I for Pride stands for iconicness. Um, Yeah, I think... I think it will become iconic. I think it. I think partly it because of the Oscarness. <laughs> I think because of it won, and then the way that it won, and then it didn't win, and then it, it didn't did win, win, and then it won. Like that is that moment is an iconic moment in yeah. history. In the last, it, it's Moonlight, best picture. I can still picture that guy's face. Oh yeah, and it wasn't even like. And I remember the being at, that I presented the award. I, I remember being at home. Because I usually watch the Oscars yeah. live every year 
freaking out. Like, what the fuck? One, I was really angry that La La Land won in the first place. Yep. It went from, oh, look, Faye Dunaway, Warren Beatty, back together again, yay. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, La La Land. Fuck. And then it was like, panic, panic. And, and then, then everyone was like, it. what is going on on stage? <laughs> then who was the host that year? I think it was Jimmy Kimmel. Was just like, uh, yeah, La La, uh, Moonlight won. See ya. <laughs> yeah, no, didn't the producer of La La Land... End up announcing yeah, that Moonlight he said, won. he said, you guys won. And then he yeah. just, like had the envelope and he showed the envelope. But then because of all that fuck around, the the Moonlight guy didn't get to do his speech. He got up, I think they got there eventually, but then everybody was just like, what, what the fuck is happening here? And then yeah. apparently, apparently they got given the wrong envelope. Because it was just still had Best Actress, which was, yeah. and all they saw was La La Land. I think Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty. Well, that's what I <laughs> read. Um, so, yeah, Moonlight received eight nominations at the 89th Academy Awards, the second highest of all nominees. And then they were the big ones. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor for Mahashala Ali. And he was very good. Mm. Best Supporting Actress and Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, well, five of them, and it won Best Picture, Best Supporting, and Best Adapted. This is from Wikipedia. At the ceremony, presenter Faye Dunaway read La La Land as the winner of Best Picture. Co-presenter Warren Beatty later stated that he had mistakenly been given the duplicate Best Actress envelope, which Emma Stone had won for her role in La La Land several minutes prior. When the mistake was realised, La La Land producer Jordan Horowitz came forward to announce Moonlight as the correct winner. Moonlight, best picture. <laughs> the best picture envelope is on display at the Academy Mu- Academy Museum of Motion Pictures in Los Angeles, California. Beatty wrote a congratulatory note to Jenkins, director and writer of Moonlight, which is also on display at the Academy Museum. During his keynote presentation at the 2018 SXSW, South by Southwest Festival, Barry Jenkins read the speech he had prepared in the event Moonlight won because of the confusion over La La Land, Jenkins was unable to read the intended speech at the Academy Awards. It's terrible. Yeah. A great you know moment, was... though. It was great TV. Well, iconic moment. Oh, hey. I was thinking, like, in our very recent history of Oscars, yeah. we have two very iconic moments. Because we have Will Smith Will Smith's... and Moonlight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I saw both of them live... And I still had a similar reaction. No, with the Will Smith thing, I had a reaction. It was like, was that scripted? And I'm like, I don't think this is real. And then he, then when he yelled out, keep my wife's name out of mouth, I was like, oh, this is real. Oh, this is real. And, and it was he's fucking fantastic. And he's just fucking lost his mind. And that is why you watch it live. Yeah. So you know what's going on. And then you don't watch it on the news later. Or I don't read it on the Facebook reel and then have to text you and go, what the fuck happened with Will Smith? (laughs) It was fantastic. This year, we'll do... I'm going to take a day off work this year. Okay. All right? You and I will do something live, Two Brothers Entertainment for the Oscars. Okay, cool. All right? Um, Should we go? To watch Elvis get nominated. Let's go. Let's go. Apparently, Brendan Fraser's already won, if you ask everyone. Oh, okay then. 
Brendan Fraser and Michelle Yeoh have already won Best Actor and Actress. So Michelle Yeoh for Everything, Everywhere, All yeah. at Once. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I'm going to watch it. Got to go and see it. Anyway, back to Moonlight. Um, no, actually, go to Patreon, our link, to give yeah. us money so we can get to LA. Yeah, go to, to LA. the um, Dolby Theatre. I don't know how much you can actually buy a ticket to the Oscars. Aren't there less people? Like, they haven't they have oh, been in the last couple yeah, of years. Yeah, the last couple of years because COVID. It'll probably be back to normal next year. It could be seat warmers. I wouldn't move. Good. They're like, excuse me, sir. Um, Kate Blanchett's coming back. I'm like, yeah, fuck. I don't care. She yeah. can sit somewhere else. I'm here now. No, I'll can. be like front row. Like, she can sit on my knee. <laughs> going, I don't know who's going to host. Fucking Chris Rock. Who knows? Probably no. not. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Iconicness. Uh, Iconicness, it will become iconic because not only because of the Oscar moment, but because it is the first LGBTQ film to win Best Picture. Yeah. Um, um, and know. the story's told very well. It's story, but it, in terms of like, say if you're referencing it in pop culture, you're not going to reference the movie itself, you're going to reference how it won Best Picture. So yeah. how iconic is the movie itself? But, other than you, Mr. Rain Man Oscars... Yeah. If you say, name best picture winners for the last 10 years, I remember Moonlight. Because of, yeah, okay. Because of that. Yeah. Um, I And I might remember, I don't, off the top of my head, remember really many others. Yeah, that's true. Titanic? In the last 10 years... <laughs> Um, we still living in the 2000s. Definitely not any action movies. Nope. Uh, so I think Iconicness... I'm going to give it a four. I'm going to give it a three and a half, just to flip the script. I can be up two categories beforehand. <laughs> we might do something different at yeah. some point. Um, D is for Dialogue. This is where we talk about how well written it is, how well acted it is, because actors... Writers write the dialogue and actors say the dialogue. Yeah. So we get both together. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. The Not... intersectionality of dialogue. Yes. Collaborativeness. Um, in terms of it, how well written it is, I've talked already about its subtlety and I quite like that we don't... Things like we don't see Little ask Juan to teach him how to swim. No. He just is in the water learning how to swim. And so rather than my dad's not around, teach me how to swim. Yeah. Yeah. We just get, okay, Juan's a father figure. And rather than, you know, and not my dad's not around, I need a father figure. Yeah. He's just go always there. Or they're not, yeah. And they're not sitting later in the house with, what's her name? Paula. Paula. Oh, which, no, the, the drug addict. Yeah. No, not her, not his mum. Janelle Monáe. Um... Juan's misses. Yeah, Janelle Monáe, I forgot her name. Teresa? Teresa. Teresa. Rather than sitting at the dinner table with Teresa and going, I remember Juan was like a father figure to me. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Like, we just see it. And there's so many things that aren't overt. Um, mm. And even lines that could be said, but aren't said. Yes, and like, Which is good, and you know, little hints at, um, yeah. There's not much dialogue either. No, yeah, and it's like 
real. It's how it's it's just people talking. Yeah. Well, and it's often in serious drama films where people have a moment. I sometimes go like, "No, nah, people aren't going to say that." Like they have a big a big monologue. Yeah, like the conversation where the two of them are sitting on the beach before the handjob. Mm. That conversation in a lot of other movies is like some monologue or something that goes really deep and discusses the purpose of talking about your mental health and yeah. blah, 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 where it's just like, oi, what the fuck's going on with you? Well, and it does do get you cry? Real. Yeah, I cry sometimes. Yeah. Well, you must be gay. Let me give you a handy. <laughs> I don't think that was Kevin's way of finding. No, it no, it wasn't, but no. Um, there's there's room for interpretation. That's true, uh, but I and that's I think that scene as well. They're talking about the mental health is another thing that challenges the masculinity. Yes, of the thing. Um, so think... there's real that that scene and the scene, the long extended scene of him and Kevin at the end is a good representation of the mix of general people speaking dialogue with some real shit. With some you have to put movie dialogue in there. Yeah, but it's not... It doesn't stand out like it doesn't fit and it doesn't seem like they'd really speak like that. Yeah. Um, I didn't like the scene where grown-up Chiron goes mm-hmm. to the mum in... Rehab. Rehab. Yeah. I didn't like the lame, oh, we need to have closure shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love you. Oh, I know. She was terrible. She was a terrible mother. We didn't need that. Just, I would have preferred a, you know what, Paula? Fuck you. And walked away. No, because he was would never have been a fuck you and walk away. Because he wasn't when he was a teenager. He could easily have moved in with Juan and Teresa at... What, eight yeah, years I didn't old. like it. I just didn't... I didn't like it. I think that's a... Uh, I didn't like it. Do you, should I say I didn't like it? Yeah, I think you didn't like it. Uh, I didn't dislike it. I just don't know how necessary it was. Maybe that's what I should say. I think it enables him to go... I think that enables him to go to see Kevin. Yeah. Because it's... It's a bit of his healing, and it's a bit of like, yeah, it's not just me, I'm fucked up, she fucked me up a bit, yeah. and so now that we're working through that, I can work through me, yeah, and go and finally um, but why, root a yeah. Cajun chef in Florida. I don't know, but I don't know, like, she didn't do anything for him, why does she need to be there now? I don't know if she's trying to be there now. Is she? She's know. just trying to she apologize. Call, she kept calling him and was like, hey, finally visiting me. That's mum's though. How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm sorry. I love you. You just don't like emotions. No, I don't like... My eyes moisten. Like, though. in real life, if you have a terrible mum, you're, you're just like, piss off. I'm, I'm on my own now. I don't need you. Fuck off, lady. Nah. People still go back to shit family. No, well, lucky I don't have any shit family because they won't be seeing me again. All right, any family listening, if you haven't got a text from Brett in the last three years, um, you're dead you to now me. Now, know why? 
Get yourself out of rehab, you ungrateful bitch. <laughs> we she... don't have any family in rehab, by the way. Not that I know of. Any on record. Um, she was very good. Yeah, she was very good. All the acting is very good. You know what, though? Obviously, it's a little, I don't know, quirk of the Academy nomination system that none of the three were nominated. Well, they weren't that good. I think I think old Sharon was very good. I think he was better than Ali in this. Better than Juan. Really? Yeah. But one of them is no. a collegiate sprinter, and the other one is Mahashallah Ali. So, yeah. I don't, I don't know. You can't... No, they weren't that good. He was good. I don't know if he was really that good, though. Mahashala Exactly. I think Travante Johnson was better. Let me have a look who else was nominated. I'm going to look it up. The mum was very good. I think old Chiron Black was very good. Even Little was good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was good. They're all good. Um, Marjana, Jeff Bridges, Lucas Hedges, Dev Patel, Michael Shannon. It's pretty. It sounds like a pretty lame year. Dev Patel is that Lion? For Lion, he was good in that. Haven't seen it. Mm. What's Jeff Bridges in? Hell or High Water. No, I haven't seen that. Don't know it. Manchester by the Sea. Saw that. That was alright. I don't know. Mahashala is probably the best of that list with Dev Patel. I, you know, when I was watching, it, I'm like Naomi Harris in as Porch. I'm like, she's good. How did she not win? And then I looked it up and it was Viola Davis. I'm like, oh, nobody else stood a chance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not so, that I'm saying that the Academy is already biased towards certain actors. Well, no. That's what I mean when you when you look and you go, okay, Collegiate Sprinter or Mahashala Ali. But they also... Don't say they look at screen time. Mm-hmm. Marlon Brando, Godfather. They do. They look at... Sometimes the quality of the movie... Uplifts what they think of yes. the, the actor. Yes. Like um, Russell Crowe and Gladiator. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's yeah. good. Yeah. But is it just because he's in it a lot? But he's good within Gladiator. Yeah. Which Gladiator is good. So they're like, oh, God, Gladiator was good. Russell Crowe was in that. Let's give him one. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, we'll find out once we're in the academy. And if they were like, if they were like people are shit and they haven't had much of their career before a movie and not nominating them, then the phrase Kristen Stewart Oscar nominee would not be a sentence. <laughs> yes. So okay, sometimes and they change their mind. The academy can uh, just wait and then just give one to Leonardo DiCaprio. Well, they just wait and give one to someone out of pity. Yeah, Jack Palance. No, I'm saying like. Leo was good in The Revenant. It's the worst of his movies that yeah, he but was he's been good for in other before. things. <laughs> but someone's always been better. Anyway. Oh, what does that have to do with I Dan? heard a comedian do a bit about Leo, right? Ooh, was it about how he dates young women? No, it was about Django Unchained. Okay. Right? And I think he should have flipped his script around and put this bit at the start. He was like, everyone goes on about Tom Cruise doing his own stunts. Leonardo DiCaprio did his own stunts in Django and Change. He sat there and called Jamie Foxx an N-word to his face in front of Samuel L. Jackson, being oh. like, that's as risky as anything Tom oh, Cruise right, does okay. in a Mission Impossible movie. 
Yeah, anyway, okay. I can see he would flip the script there. Yeah. See, he put the Tom Cruise does his own stunts bit at the end. Yeah, whereas, I whereas would put that if at the you start, put the at you, if you save the N word oh. till the end. No, I would have put the N word at the start because then you started saying it. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it. Um, he was a black comedian. Yeah. Okay. okay? You know what? You would say it. This, this, and you're like, where is he going with this? Then here, he does his own stunts. That's probably where he was coming nah, from. Because if you go, Tom Cruise does his own stunts, Leo does his own stunts in Django and Chain. You're thinking about Django and your Chain. You're like, it's not an action movie. I don't remember Leo jumping off any buildings like Tom Cruise. Yeah. Then you go, da-da-da-da-da, says the N-word. And you go, oh, that's funny. Yeah, okay. Okay, there's a little comedian tip for any budding comedy tips. Anybody send comedian, your to send me. your jokes through to us. And uh, we'll, we'll give do you the yeah. editing. As you could heard earlier in the episode, I write a good joke. We're very funny. <laughs> dialogue. Uh, dialogue. <laughs> Is there anything else? You, there are other couple of things in your notes that you had. What did I say? I said all of the acting is great. Oh, all of the acting is great. Yeah. I said I don't like that scene. It's good, you know, yeah. I'm going to give it a 375. 3.75. I'm going to give it a three and a half. Jeez. I'm taking a half a point off for that scene. And then a point off because it's, you know, there's not that much dialogue in it. If you don't give this movie entirety three and a half, the whole scale, your whole voting system's Ooh. fucked. <laughs> um, I'm not. <laughs> I give it a five. No. Um, I don't have a lot of general notes because this movie everything. I decided to watch and then write notes on. Because I was like, because there wasn't much happening, I feel yeah. like I'm like, I have to sit here and pay attention to this. But also I think sometimes I don't cry because I'm typing notes and not getting invested in the movie. I did that with one of the other movies we watched. So I type, I'm like, rewind, type, rewind. Yeah. So when we when I watched Gone with the Wind, it took me six hours. <laughs> that's not true. I didn't. It, it's, um. That's funny though. I that's on the Patreon as a bonus episode for Two Drink Cinema. If anyone's mm. a Gone with the Wind fan. No, no Lee, that's a queer classic. <laughs> Uh, Alright, so that overall I've pretty much said everything I just said a great story Superbly acted Very well written Four Okay Okay. I agree Four Thanks for listening (laughs) No, I think that it's It's um, Effective in its simplicity Yes like, it's not going over the top, and it's not over-explaining things, and it's not, you know... It's just know. showing us the story I, of this man. I did like when he hit that guy with a chair. He freaking deserved it. It was fantastic. I thought the, I thought he killed the kid. Yeah. So I'm like, ah, oh, that's why he's going to jail. No, he's going to jail because the no. other guy dobbed him in. He, uh... They... The, getting hit with a chair... It's not like falling off a horse and gone with the wind. You don't die instantly. You don't die instantly. <laughs> yeah, that's too. Anyway, you die. You die from falling off a horse, not through going a going through a war. If you, um, everybody you know survives that. Everyone knows survives the war and survives the dysentery and the whatever else. But if you don't nail that jump, see you later. See you later, Mister O'Hara. Um, in case anyone wants to know how we batch record. You can pick the <laughs> movies we reference the most. Um, Overall, I'm giving it a four. 
You do, I liked the running theme of water. Yeah, right, English teacher. But I don't quite know what it was trying to say. Was it some sort of cleansing thing? Or a covering thing? Or a rebirthy wash your sins away? I don't know. Wash my sins away. There's a beach. There's always a beach. There's even Florida. Swimming lessons. Bath where he has to boil the water on the stove. Yeah. He t- put, washes ice his water. Uh, ice water face to when he gets punched up. And then does it again when he's an adult. Presumably when he gets punched up. He had a shower in prison. I don't know. You assume he did. You'd hope so. That his knee would have stunk. Maybe he was too afraid to. So you like that there's lots of water in the film, but you no, don't know why. I was like, no, because I was thinking, I'm like, there's a lot of water. And I was trying to think what I meant. I'm going to say it's some sort of cleansing thing. Okay. Good. What's the score for Moonlight Oh, well, I've overall? also given it a far, four overall. I nearly said five oh, then. Dear. Jeez. Um, so overall out of 50, the Pride score is a 37.75. Oh, that's very good. Right. So that puts That's it second behind Birdcage. Bird Cage. Mm, so Birdcage is 38.5, Moonlight 37.75, Pride 36.75, Stonewall 16.5. Oh, shit. <laughs> I think we need to find a movie that's going like, to score worse than Stonewall, but I don't know if it exists. Yeah. Um, I was saying to someone the other day, I will never forget the headline. Director of worst gay film ever ties the knot this summer. <laughs> um, all right. So, what are we watching next week? Is it my choice or is it your um, choice? You chose this. I did. Um, you know what? I haven't thought about it. And I was thinking... Let's have a look at the list. I was thinking, do we do an older one? Or do we do a documentary? Oh, Yeah. I'm thinking we do the documentary Disclosure. Okay. Because we haven't talked much about the T in the LGBT. Okay, then. Um, so it is a documentary from 2020 um, I have that is on Netflix. Okay. Disclosure. Yes. All right. So that's next, a doco, something different to talk about. Good. Yeah. All right. What 37.75 for Moonlight. That's pretty good. Out of 50 on our pride scale, which is going to be the definitive scale for any queer movie from here on. Any out. queer movie. Yeah. And with all queers in the next newsletter, it's going to be announced. Yeah. At the meetings. Yeah. Zoom meetings aren't as fun. No. But they're good. All right, thank you for listening to another episode of Rainbow Popcorn. Uh, make sure you hit subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, check out our other podcast, Two Drink Cinema. All the links are in the episode description. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Lee. Two Drink Cinema! Which I don't know how to measure because one goes on the bench and then another dashes into the glass and then one dashes little and one dashes big. We're talking about bitters still? Yep. Cheers. Two Drink Cinema. A Two Brothers Entertainment podcast. I'm Lee. And I'm Brett. 
We are two brothers reviewing movies, two drinks at a time. Uh, Stephen would be very happy with it. Spielberg, that is. Right. He's the director. Yes, I am. Of E.T., the extraterrestrial. Done? couple other things. Anything else? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Join us as we discuss the old, the new, the classic, and the cult. Together, we drunkenly review some of the great... And not so great... Big screen flicks. You know how in The Witches, the new one... Yeah. We had Kristen Chenoweth. Yes. And she didn't sing. Yep. Why do we need Neil Patrick Harris and Jonathan, Jonathan Groff in there and they don't do some big gay dance Broadway number? <laughs> I don't really understand it. Find us on the socials at Two Drink Cinema, on YouTube, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Cheers.